Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. My name is Dave, and welcome to a whole new year. It is 2019. I can hardly believe it that a whole new year has started and a whole new season for the Think Orange Podcast. I hope you had a fantastic new year. I am sitting in a completely renovated Think Orange bunker. It is a lot smaller now. It's basically one of those portaloos. If you think of a portaloo, that's what the Think Orange bunker is now. But I'm sitting in here with my good friend Casey. I don't know if she can get the microphone near her, but Casey is with me. Casey, how are you? Hey Dave. How is your New Year's, Casey? You know, I want to say it is great. Casey, normally what happens is people try to match the level of the co-host as well. (laughs) I love you are such a peaceful catching me at the end of a week and you know what i am the type though that i never make it to midnight anymore i think once i hit like 25 i was like i'm going to bed (laughs) well casey what did you do for new year's eve did you have a big one was it was it a lot of fun did you make it to midnight for sure no No. (laughs) for sure no that is awesome hey i've got one question for you then i know you've got a bunch of work to do you're sitting there busily doing emails i don't even know how you've got elbow room in this small little think orange bunker but it's a little awkward here in this portal i'm sure Although I think you needed to find for the American audience what is a portaloo because we call oh. them porta johns. Do you really? Potties, depending on the really? region of That's the country. That's not true. It's called a porta john. A porta john or what? A porta potty, Kevin producer, a, Kevin well, and What does he call it? Wow, porta john. What if? So what if? It's the person who takes your bags in at a hotel. They're called a porter, right? Uh, yes, what do, they can. Oh. They can be. Yeah. K Daddy's in the house <laughs> as well. Here. He's pushing his little face up against. Now it's just like, the keyhole. It's not even. I don't a, know that I go to hotels <laughs> where people take my bags. Well, me. they're called a porter, right? A porter. Sure. So, what if your porter's name is John? That that would be. What if you're a John? Well, name? it's not porter. It's porter, like portable. But I say porter for both. <laughs> it's a porter and a porter. So, <laughs> if if you're if you're a porter and your name is John, are you a porter John? That is the question of I the think day. That's the if, kind of thing that gets you beat up on the playground, right? <laughs> if, if that is the question of the day, if you've got an answer for that, why don't you leave that in a comment? I don't know where you'd leave a comment. Leave it in a review. Review us on Apple uh, iTunes. Uh, just leave a review and, and let us know. Is that the case? If your name is John and you're a porter at a hotel, are you a porter? <laughs> hey, my question for you, Casey, though, is this: Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Is this something that you normally do? I feel like I've tried a few things. Sometimes I go for that whole word of the year thing. Oh. And then what I realized last year is I forgot my word about halfway through the year. So I don't know what that says. Maybe it was something like memorable. Um, <laughs> or, uh, but yeah, normally, no. I feel like I try, my friend Sarah Anderson said this on our Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. She said, I try to set the bar really low for myself. That's and probably I think that's wise. it. So it's more measurable things like, okay, I'd love to read X number of books this year or whatever. But right. Honestly, I haven't. And I'm also a like February resolution kind of girl. Because <laughs> you just, you don't, you don't live by the rules <laughs> that the rest not. of us choose That's to what follow. we've learned today this, <laughs> You break conventions. Episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next. So February resolutions. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. This year for me, 2019, uh, I've got two which seem at odds with each other. I want to live on the edge. I, I really want to live on the edge. Like, like I want to take risks. you want to move and live on the yes, edge. Yes, I want to live somewhere? on the edge of a cliff, okay, um, which is what 
why dangerous. actually don't open the door of the think orange bunker too oh. quick because it is literally on an edge no what i mean is you know i want to live on the edge of my faith i want to live on the edge and take risks and, and do stuff that i haven't done before and try new things that's awesome. so that's one but the other one is really i want to make sure that this year i take a day of rest mm. every single week dave one thing you told me that is always stuck with me and mm -hmm. said first of all rest and being busy is one of the uh, commands that christians brag about breaking i say that all the time and then the that's other exactly. one is how often we are so quick to follow the steps of jesus and not the stops and so i mm -hmm. think about that often and i quote you and i credit you for it but you I don't think have about to credit often. me for it um, <laughs> Um, but that's true. That's true. And as I look back on my life, I realize, you know, especially last year, 2018, I was following the steps of Jesus, but I wasn't following the stops as often as I want to. And I know I need to model that for my kids. And I know I need to model that uh, at my church. And I know I need to model that at work. And so that's really what I'm trying to do this year is take How important a for church leaders to do it for their staff too. Right. Watch it. Lead by example. So, so, I love so, that, Dave. That's so awesome. important. And in fact, you know, Gandhi said, I don't know. Were you allowed to quote Gandhi on the Think Orange sure. Gandhi said that you have to be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you are in youth ministry and you're listening to this podcast, well, you are because you're hearing my voice. But if you want to uh, institute change at your church, if you want to bring about change in your workplace, then maybe you need to be that change. You need to take that day of rest so that everybody else does as well. So that is my resolution, which is coincidental. Do you want to know why it's coincidental? Why is it coincidental? Because today we are talking about how to accomplish more by doing less. And I'm, I didn't, I'm not just teeing that up uh, with saying that that's my resolution. That literally is my resolution. But I really think that this episode is going to be one that you get so much out of. I know that this is the time of year when we're all asking ourselves, how can we do more? How can we achieve more? How can we learn more? How can our team do more? And potentially, how can our church do more? But what if the better question was, what can I or we stop doing? What if the key to your desired result in 2019 was actually doing less. So in our first episode of the year, we're going to be speaking with Frank Beeler and EJ Swanson, who will help us discover how we can accomplish more by doing less. Now, Frank is the Executive Director of Leadership Development at Orange, and he's also the CEO of Phase Family Centers. He's a very busy man, but he definitely lives his life in such a way that he ensures there's rest. In fact, he puts it into his calendar, one of the things I really respect and admire about him. And EJ is the next generation pastor at Woodside Bible Church, where he leads an amazing team of next-gen pastors and directors across 12 different campuses in Metro Detroit. I mean, if anybody but he's busy, <laughs> 12 campuses, that's, that's a whole lot. And when he's not pouring into the staff and team at Woodside, EJ speaks to over 150,000 students and adults every year, which again, makes him seem very, very busy. But today he's going to show us how we can accomplish more by doing less. And EJ was actually interviewed by our good friend Sarah Bragg and Holly Crawshaw just recently at the Orange Conference. And speaking of the Orange Conference, today's episode is proudly brought to you by Orange Conference 2019. Now, Orange Conference is a three-day conference in Atlanta, Georgia for your entire family ministry team. 
Now, Casey, I know you've been to quite a few, if you don't mind just putting your emails down for a second, I know that you've been to <laughs> quite a few Orange conferences. What is your favorite part? Oh my goodness. Honestly, it's putting faces with so many of the names that we hear week yeah. after week. So partners, especially Orange Partners, are so great about sharing stories. But I even love when people come that don't use Orange Curriculum yeah. um, because it really is a reminder that us as church leaders, we're not in this alone. And there's a lot of other people who care about the next generation in the way that they do. So mm. we get to hang out in a room for three days, have fun, laugh yeah. a lot. But sometimes there's a few tears, but in a good way. So, um, But it's really cool. You know what I loved about what you said? We get to hang out in a room because my favorite part about Orange Conference is the fact that, you know, it's a big conference. There are mm. thousands and thousands of people there, but somehow the Orange team just managed to make it feel like you're literally hanging out in a room with your best friends or with family, people who are in the trenches with you. So I just want to encourage everybody to go to theorangeconference.com, theorangeconference.com. Make sure that you register for 2019. It is going to be an absolutely incredible conference. So make sure you do that, theorangeconference.com, theorangeconference.com. Come. Hey, we're going to get straight into today's content, so take it away, Frank. Here's the three lies you're telling yourself. Number one, we alluded to this earlier, this is just a busy season. This is just a busy season. If you excuse your present reality, you're going to get in trouble. Let's call it what it is. Let's understand what we're doing. Let's shuffle our schedules. Some of you have went to your leadership at some point or another, whoever that may be, and tried to explain that you're feeling overwhelmed. You've got a lot that you're carrying and you're trying to figure out how to manage it all. I will tell you, as a senior leader from the church, I have no idea how to help you if you present it to me that way. I've got a lot and I'm busy and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix that. But if you say, you recently presented to me this opportunity, and I'd love to do it, but I was looking at my schedule and my reality. I've got it all written out here. I understand what I do, and I'm trying to figure out what I give up or what I change to make room for this. It completely changes the conversation because everybody says they're busy. I have met people that are unemployed that have told me they've had busy days. How are you doing? Say, man, it's been so busy. And I'm like, I don't push because I don't know what to say. But I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. Like, I don't know what you do. Like, I mean, what's busy? And so everybody, there's a badge of honor to say we're busy. In fact, many of you have caught up with friends here at tour today. And they've asked you how your week's been and how things are going. And you say, man, it's busy. It's busy. That's our response. Like, that's somehow awesome. But here's the thing, if it's a busy season and it really is just a busy season, cool, whatever, you know, Elevation, we do these 10 night revivals, that's busy and crazy and pretty overwhelming, right? For the most part, that's like a lot, but there was an end, there was a clear end time. So if you want to figure out if your busy season is really just a busy season, assess your schedule, determine what is making you most busy and put an end date on it. If you can't put an end date on the thing that's causing you to have an extra busy season, it's your reality, not a season, right? Let's just call it what it is. Once again, this is just helpful to know and you be able to talk to yourself in an honest way. 
right? How many of you have people in your life, I can just, you can just nod your head, you don't have to raise your hand, that you know that they're running really, really crazy or they're going through a lot and you ask them how they're doing and they always say fine and then you have permission for whatever reason to say, no, how are you really? And you get to lean in and really press in and check. I would encourage you to do that for yourself. Quit saying it's busy. Let's figure out what we're really dealing with, how we're really managing it, and go from there. Number two, lie that you tell. Next week will be better. (laughs) Here's the thing with that. What's changed? What is better about next week than this week? Some of you will say this week was thrown out of whack because of Orange Tour. Well, was last week out of whack? And what's different about next week? And like, let's call it what it is. Something's got to change in the way you lead and the way you operate. And good leaders, the ones that you literally cross your arms and shake your head and go, I have no idea how they get it done. There's two kinds. Those that won't be doing that for much longer because they're burning it at both ends and they're about to crash. And there are those that have just figured out some way to manage it a little differently and really understand what they're doing. I'll tell you this, I work all the time when I travel. So, so far on tour, I've been at like seven cities or eight cities. I've gone out to dinner twice. I just work all the time I'm gone. You know why? Because when I get home, I just want to be with my family. And when I look at my schedule, if I don't work now, all that has to get moved. And when does it get moved? To that time when I'm with my family. I've had to hold myself accountable. So I actually schedule, you guys may think this is horrible and I'm sorry. I schedule family time on my calendar and I don't schedule it necessarily because I need to be reminded to have it. I want to feel the weight if I have to move it. I want to recognize and know, oh, I chose something else. Probably rightly so. I'm not saying what you're choosing is bad. There's important things. People need us. But when you move it, it puts weight on what you'll do moving forward. So you won't move it again and again and again and again. It forces you to make a transaction. Otherwise, it's like, oh, we just cut our family time a little short. Well, your kids may really feel that, but you may not feel it as much and we're fine and there's always next week. But when you move next week, because you forgot about the wedding thing, so there's not really a next week, it's the week after, you see how it becomes a problem? But it's actually not that hard to get our arms around it. And I think when we know what our job really is, not just what's on paper, but what we really do, what we're really responsible for, we call it what it is, and then we start to push in and go, okay, what's going to change about what we do? It really makes a difference. So next week, block off time in your schedule for the sporadic. Start to recognize that there are going to be things that come up. How many of you are part of a church plant or something pretty new over the last couple of years, maybe? Great. Yeah, see hands up. Awesome. Um, Church planters. Your senior pastor from time to time goes to a conference and comes back with ideas that will change everything. And usually those meetings last longer and they go into the night. And I don't know about you, but Pastor Stephen, once a month, there was one of our meetings that was inevitably going to go really long into the evening. We would have dinner together and just keep going. It was just a reality, but I didn't know which one it was going to be. How would I know which one that was going to kind of keep him fired up and keep him going? So we had a plan. Now, what happens on that night? So here's what I did, and I've seen other people do different iterations of this. I bought gifts, and I put them in my desk drawer. And on those nights, I took home a gift from my pastor to my kids. So they knew, I didn't want them to get frustrated with Pastor Stephen, 
saying he took my dad away because he wanted to work late tonight. I wanted to change the conversation. Say, Pastor Stephen wants you to know that he's really thankful that we got this time together today. Here's what we did. By the way, here's the new whatever and whatever. It wasn't fancy stuff. It wasn't expensive at all. It was something to show we're being thoughtful. We're thinking ahead. Some people, when they do a win this and that like that, they say they'll swing by the store on the way home. The store's closed. That's a horrible solution. You can't do it the next day. It doesn't work. And so there's something about, okay, how do I build this plan to set me up for success? Number three, everyone understands. It's a lie that you tell yourself. Everyone understands. Whether it be Christmas, whether it be the responsibilities that you're taking on, the people in your life that aren't in ministry and called to the same level of commitment that you are, don't understand the level of commitment that you're called to. And don't be mad about it. Do you know what our response usually is to that? We turn up the passion dial. So we just try to convince them that they should be as passionate as we are about what it is that we're doing. They may never be. If you try to turn the passion knob all the time with your senior pastor about what you're doing in family ministry, that's not going to work. Turn the strategy knob a little bit. Turn, turn the knob to say, by the way, when you go back from this and you come back with new ideas, by all means, don't go back and say, I got a new idea. I'm really excited about changing things. First of all, change is a creepy word for most senior leaders. But here's the thing. It's not a new idea. You've been talking about how to connect with families for years now. Now you found a way to get more practical about doing it. Man, I'm so thankful you sent me that conference. They gave me some real practical ideas for us to go do the thing we've been talking about doing. That's a different conversation because otherwise it feels flighty. feels random. Like you just got emotional and fired up about something. The other is say, no, you've been talking about how to figure out student ministry and kids ministry and do it better and engage more parents. You do this because you're leaders. So start there and say, we've been talking about this. I just got some new tools to help us do the very thing we're saying. That's a different conversation. When you're talking to your family, it's different for you to explain why these days matter and why you can be at this and why you can't be. My daughter, I told you she danced. So this last year during competition season, I felt really bad because the timing of her competitions were horrible for me because I was in ministry. That means they happened sometime in a 52-week period, and it really just didn't work, right? A lot of her competitions were on the weekends. So here's what I was doing. I was desperately as a father trying to move my schedule to be at her dances. And at some point along the way, I stopped and said, hey, baby, of all these dances, which one do you want me to be at? Which one really matters? And she picked the one that wasn't even on my list. And it was the one that actually worked out for me just fine. I never thought about asking my family where they did want me to show up and how they wanted me to show up. My daughter wanted me to be at the one that was the smallest. It had less people in attendance than in this room. I mean, she performed in front of thousands. And it was this, because it was the first one where she was going to get to wear a new pageant dress. And for her, that mattered. I thought it was the big room and the big scary people and all the lights and stuff. She didn't care about any of that. It's like it didn't happen to her. She wanted me there because that was the new dress and she wanted me to have flowers for her. And that was awesome. Yes, I can do, yes, I can do that. I'm killing it as a dad. And you know what she said? You know what she said? You don't have to do any of the others, daddy, because I know you work a lot on the weekends. She didn't care. I almost missed the one that mattered most 
because I thought everybody understands and don't they understand I'm doing the best I can. Well, no, they don't. Talk to them. Find out why this matters. Ask them questions. Those family, those friends, those peers are like, why aren't you showing up for this? Why aren't you doing this? Ask them why that thing matters so much to them. And what you may find is that the thing that they value, you could move to something else because it may not be, for example, on Thursday nights for a little while, I was playing basketball with some guys. It was just good for me. The only reason I was going is because it just let me give some physical energy out. It was late at night after my kids went to bed. It was like 10 to 11. We played games at night. It was crazy. And so I'm old. <laughs> so I'm like, that's crazy. 10 to 11. <laughs> 10, 10 o'clock. <laughs> Bedtime was like 11.30 on those nights. <laughs> so... So anyway, that's it. So anyway, so 10 to 11, I played. And then I told the guys that I wasn't going to play, that I needed to take some time off because it wasn't working in my schedule. And I was starting to get tired, to be honest. And one of the guys really, like the way he spoke to me, I put a guilt trip on me. I felt really, really bad. And at some point I just said, I said, hey man, why do you, you didn't even ask me to play. Why do you care? And he said, this was his response to me. Well, I haven't got time with my senior leader in the last six months. And the reality is when we hang out and talk, you always have some leadership nugget for me and I need that. And I'm like, well, I can give you leadership nuggets some other time. How about 7 a.m.? I could do this. I thought he was saying that I had to be there at the basketball game. And I was like, I can't reconcile that. I'm falling apart. I'm physically exhausted. And he's like, no, that's not actually what I need from you. So there's something about our family and friends when we're trying to figure out how to balance all this, which isn't going to work if we just try to balance, but we start to put together plans. Let's put together plans that actually serve the needs and things that they actually want from us because we'll figure out real quickly that some of the things that are making us feel guilty don't even matter to the people that we're putting that on ourselves. But then there are other things that really matter that maybe we need to change around a little bit. We can look at just a little different. This is complicated and messy. This is very hard. So I want to encourage you. Ministry for the long haul can be done. It can be done well. Right now, 50% of leaders that get involved in ministry in a staff position quit within the first five years. And I don't think it's because ministry wasn't what they hoped it would be. I don't think that's it. I don't think Jesus was underwhelming to them. I think it's because they couldn't figure out a way to make it all add up and thought something was wrong with the way they were doing it. And maybe we just need to help, help one another and figure out how to navigate this together. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We are here at Orange Conference. I'm Sarah Bragg. I am Holly Crawshaw. And we are getting to sit here in a van outside of Orange Conference. So we're a little bit removed. So it's going to be a better conversation, I think. It's like a party van. Yes, I just want the listeners to imagine what this looks right. like. There's lights on the ceiling. Disco. Yes. And that's our friend EJ Swanson. Hey, everybody. Who we're going to get to chat with today. If you went to prom in a van in high school, that's where we currently are. Yeah, yeah I think this is probably something that, you know, Sojo or absolutely uh, Andy or Reggie probably roll around in. You know, it's Daisy. on a regular yeah. basis. This is reg- what Reggie takes 
to dinner. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Yes. And so we're going to get to have a conversation with EJ. And so why don't you take a few minutes and just give us a snapshot of who you are? Yeah. Well, um, you know, let me start off. I think the best part about um, my life is obviously my relationship with Christ. And I'm um, just being called to be a pastor. It's been really, really cool to have that opportunity. And then I have a beautiful wife named Abby. We um, just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. 10 years. Let's go. You. Yeah. Did you do uh, anything for 10? We did. Yeah. We, um, we got a vacation coming up. And we went to an awesome restaurant in, in Detroit in the city called Ooh, Where's Pride. your vacation? Um, we're going to go to Cabo. Oh, yeah. so um, yeah, that's that's going to be exciting. Then we have two little ones, Ruth, who just turned three and Gideon, who's one. And I've and, seen um, pictures and they are really cute. Amen. We're yeah. um, we have great, great Adorable. family. And that's yeah. awesome. and then um, we're at a great church with, I would say, the best um, next gen team around. We have uh, Matt Weedy, one of our kids directors is, you know, top 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 and uh joe crab and uh, kim schuler and sarah Art. we just have great great staff so we're in a great setup right now so ej when you say next gen if yep. there's somebody listening who doesn't know what that yeah. means what yeah that? so actually next gen at our church at woodside um i say um cradle to college so we're um you know all the way through um, months to millennials um okay. when they come out of the womb all the way up through you know transitions in life um so you know uh, kids ministry student ministry and then young adult ministry ministry is is what I get to to do. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And as far as church, you get you have a unique perspective too because you your church is a little bit different than the normal church, but yet it's a, identifies with all churches. Yeah, you know, um uh, Woodside's a non-denominational church with Baptist roots, and um, I went to a good Baptist college where you know altar calls are a big part of, of life, and that's a part of Woodside. But the really unique part about um, Woodside is we have campuses um, as big as 7,500 all the way down to 70, and right now we have 15 campuses with a couple more on the way, and um, of all those um, campuses, it makes it really unique because it's just not this big platform. Um, the other thing that's really unique about Woodside is that um, every Every Sunday morning, we have live teaching. So we don't do video campuses, not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but we really believe that the person up there um, preaching has a connection with the crowd, and um, that's you know makes it unique for a multi-site church. So we love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did you get to, if you're doing this next-gen pastor role, because we're going to talk about some uniqueness about your personal life and yeah. the busyness of your life. How did you get from have you always been a pastor like oh this is what I do or like what does your life kind of look like in the past yeah years? you know um, funny enough as a kid I grew up in the Catholic Church and I thought I was going to be a priest okay um, wow. and then um, you know, talking to ladies kind of awkward about this but like in <laughs> puberty I realized that um, priests didn't get married they didn't have sex and those type of things I was like I'm out right yeah right. Um, I'm done yeah and no, like no as thanks. a kid I would like Mark I would dress off. up as a priest for Halloween stop like I was Amazing. in. I thought, you know, I was like call from a young age type thing, and so you're like um, hung up that call. Like oh yeah, the collar went out. Like right, a cat and an alien. Nope. So I'm not sure what the I was about, the priest. My future vocation. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were the priest. Um, and uh, then in high school, just crazy turn of events in our family's life. And I came to know the Lord and um, I started uh, doing a practicum at this camp. And as I was going to Bible college and I uh, just got some really cool opportunities. And about in a year into knowing the Lord, I had some um, really, really neat opportunities to um, travel with some of uh, um, the bands that we listen to on you know, Christian radio and we worship alongside of um, being a tour pastor and that kind of snowballed career. And um, man, we've just had great opportunities sharing the gospel and loving cool. on people. And, That's really cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so that makes sense then, because in the past years past, you've spent 200 days away from your home and your family. And you recently made a decision to take fewer speaking engagements yeah. the longer this tour, Pastor, knowing that God was kind of telling you to focus on your local ministry and your family more. So tell us about the realization of God kind of asking you to slow down and yeah. how that decision has been impactful. Well, you know, I shared this a few years ago at, at um, Orange Conference. One of the biggest things um, that we saw is we saw hundreds, thousands of um, kids, young adults, um, adults making decisions for Christ. And that was unreal. But we noticed that there was this part of it that was missing. Although so called to see people respond to the gospel, we actually stepped back and said, what's the other half of this? Like, you know, you get justified, you get saved, but then what about the sanctification part where you're growing to be more like Christ? We had never seen that view. And um, my sweet wife said to me, EJ, um, I don't think living on a bus is what we're going to do for the rest of our life. We love helping rescue marriages and, you know, those type of things on tour because that's a part of tour, being away from your spouse and that type of thing. But... It was also really, really taxing. And um, we made the decision that we wanted to kind of pour back into the local church um, for a while. So we've gone from those 200 days out living in, in Marriott's and Hilton's and buses and flying all over the world to I'm kind of slowing down and focusing on discipling um, people in the local church. And it has been awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, trying to trying to slow down a little bit, um, but it definitely comes with its challenges. And, you know, it's. It's really unique when you go from speaking at you know conferences and things like that to then slowing down and saying, "Wow, this is the local church." And um, you know, I love to say it this way: as Scripture says it, like Christ died for the church. Um, I think conferences are important, right? And I I'm like the bread of that, mm-hmm. but. Um, but Christ died for the church. And, um, you know, if you're listening, you serve in church ministry, you are my hero. And um, because I've learned that it's not just the the flashbang and wow um, of a conference that a lot of us get to experience in, in the platform, but it's the day-to-day in the trench grind. And um, that's been that's been really cool to see. So, EJ, you said there are some challenges in um, letting go of, of the traveling a bunch and the 200 days on the road and being at conferences all the time and being in high demand. So for the ministry leader who's listening right now who might be on the fence yeah. about whether to slow down and to cut back, what would you say are some of the benefits, maybe the tangible, more specific benefits outside of just pouring into the local church? Like what have you seen in your life? How has cutting back um, been transparent in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'll say it this way. One of the most difficult things in life is to know yourself. Yeah. And um, when you slow down um, and you get out of the rat race or the busyness or the I'm a busy person, you get to know yourself. And um, I don't think Christ designed us in such a way that we were only just built for community. We definitely are. But he designed us to um, know who he created us to be. Mm. When you slow down enough, you get to realize who you truly are. And that's a big deal. I think a lot of people are um, trying to emulate other people versus really um, understanding who they are in Christ. Right. And you know, I've, I've seen that be a, a big win for me, slowing down. Have there been any surprises about what you realized? Yeah. You know, um, being on the platform, you go from, you know, speaking at, you know, 10,000 people yeah. and everybody just assumes that you're an extrovert. 
<laughs> right, totally. Yeah. Yes. Right, you're like, oh, you go in front of all these people, and afterwards you give hugs and handshakes, and you know, you sign books or you know, the awkward sign a Bible. You know, like, <laughs> here, will you sign my Bible? Next so Jesus. yeah, like off. If, if somebody ever asks saved? you to, like yeah, if uh, somebody ever asks you to sign <laughs> a Bible, EJ, write your name, <laughs> write your name really small, and then write a verse and like underline and circle it because that's, that's really amazing. what it's about. Um, wow. Yeah, not to go off subject, but <laughs> but um, you know, I think I, I learned that I was actually a little bit more um, introverted than yeah. I thought. That um, I love people because Christ loves people, mm-hmm. but in the same sense, I kind of like being by myself totally. some. And I think slowing down helped me to realize that, and then it helped me to kind of develop some of my my passions right. within that, um, not just my giftings. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to slowing down. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of the hardest things is saying no. I'm not great at saying no. I want to say yes to everything because everything sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, that could be fun. This sounds like a great opportunity. If I don't do this, then maybe I won't get to do that yeah. kind of thing. So how was I don't was that easy for you to say no? If you were traveling 200 days out of the year, how did you just how were you able to say no? Yeah. I started to realize that by saying yes, I was taking something. And I was I was taking opportunity. I was taking 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 taking. Um, and when I slowed down, I realized that I could give, and I could really um, give to people my time, my energy, and you know it, it. It gets to the point where you're able to then go and be with people, love people in a in a different way, mm. and you know to to quantify it just even in the aspect of kids ministry, student ministry, young adult ministry is you get to know people and you know, we always say at orange when like a kid is known then mm. then you actually um they can know Christ. And um I feel like for me that was a, a big part of that. Does that answer that good? Yeah. Well um, and I think there's I feel like that would breed some confidence in being able to say no if you know this this is gonna help me to see things better, see people better. Yeah. Then I can say no with a little more confidence. Yeah, and and you know, saying no, I think um like we preach that to our kids, like every like say no to drugs, say no to <laughs> sex, say no and but as adults, like I don't wanna let the cat out of the bag, but like <laughs> what if they were to turn that on us and say, Well, why don't you say no to locking the building up at night so you can put me in bed? Like as leaders, pastors, yeah. mm-hmm. wow, that like that actually it kind of like makes me tear up a little bit, yeah. right? Because um, I have to look at that because there's things like, oh yeah, I'll stay to the last person. Well, why don't you just say no and ask a you know a solid volunteer to do that, or ask a solid volunteer to do X, Y, Z, or another staff member? There's stuff we just have to say no to. I think it gets um, complicated in church world because we have this calling, mm-hmm. but we feel this like calling, but then you also have this family or you have other, you have a life, even if you're not married, you have a life outside of this. And so we, we tend to raise up that calling of church more than even than our own personal health. Yeah. And so we say yes to yeah. everything. You know, and I think, you know, um, that's, that's one of the things that's like, you have to say yes to the things that, that matter most. You know, one of the best exercises I ever did in that was just saying, um, you know, what are the things that instead of saying um, yes to that I'm going to say no to? And and then just saying back. And that's that's not new, right? right? Like, that's not new under the sun. Nothing is new under the sun. But, but within that, just stepping back and saying, 
okay, um, I just can't say yes to this anymore. I've got to say no to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, saying no to something, I think actually Reggie, uh, you know, preaches this. Saying no to something always gives you the opportunity to say yes to something better. You just don't always see that. Right. Uh, but if we believe that God ordained every single one of our steps, when we say no to something that he's really internally like leading us to say no to, he's got something better. And I think that me transitioning from like big conference, big speaker, big retreat world and saying no to some of those things and saying yes to other things God's done so much through. So EJ, I want to ask you a question. I want to go back to something you said. So you were speaking at conferences where there were like 10,000 students, 10,000 people. And so now you're, you're scaling back and you're more one-on-one with people. Yeah. So what do you say to the pastor who's saying, well, if I have a mass appeal, I'm reaching more people, so isn't that better? What have you seen in your life? How has it been better or maybe more effective or more personal or maybe just the season that you're in? Yeah. How is it better for you now to be more one-on-one? You know, I think... um I don't think there's anything wrong with speaking sure, to sure. 10,000 or 100,000 people. You know, like, I don't know that any pastor doesn't dream of filling a stadium like right. Billy Graham did, right? I don't, like, we all have that, totally. that dream. But within that, a lot of that loses relationship. Yeah. And we don't take how many people we spoke to to heaven or even led to heaven. There's great rewards for that. But... Um, there's also something so dynamic with that relationship. Yeah. So I think, you know, a big part of that for for me is is not saying, hey, it's not a good thing to do that, even if you have aspirations of that. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a season for it. Sure. And the season that, you know, I'm kind of back back into right now is just saying, you know, like it's way more about the relationship. Actually, um, you know, one of the thoughts as I was thinking through this um, is like now I choose speaking engagements based on relationship. Right. So if you have 5,000 kids coming to a conference and you're going to pay me a copious amount of money um, to do that, that's awesome. But if if what you're going after, if what you're leading um, kids to or students to, the relationship that you and I have isn't there, it doesn't mean as much um, right. to me anymore. So that's, you know, it's it just really comes back to relationship in that. So I used to be on staff with um, North Point Community Church, which is local here in Atlanta. And one thing that Andy always said was, do for one what you wish you could do for the many. And and that's kind of what I hear you saying. So there's probably lots Um, of ministry leaders right now listening that, well, you feel like you got to, you need to, like you said it, like if I'm speaking to all of these people, it's a bigger impact. Like I'm throwing a bigger rock in the pond than just throwing this pebble in. You know, um, I I wrote this down um, earlier um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it somewhere else. So, you know, don't quote me on this, but I said, um, authority doesn't make you a leader. It gives you the opportunity to be one. And that's the same. It's the same exact thing with, you know, preaching, whether you're, you have a ministry of four kids that come every week or you have um, 4,000 that come every week. Um, You as that, that speaker, that discipler, that shepherder, it's not that authority is great, but it gives you the opportunity to then lead to speak into people's right. lives. And if you don't take that, um, it it's just worthless to yeah. me. Did having kids help kind of push you forward in this decision that we need to slow down? Yeah. You know, um, it's funny because I know you have an awesome you know podcast, a lot <laughs> of it focusing around kids and families and yeah. that type of thing. And I always say to people, I'm actually a way better pastor than I am a dad. I need to learn more about being a dad yes. um, and a yeah. husband than I do a, a pastor. Hey, I'm right um, there with you. I right? get that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I can get up on a stage and, you know, like, praise the Lord, like, you know, 
bring bring the house down as people say right but i i don't know how when my house is being brought down <laughs> to respond like yes. when it's bedtime and you want to hide in the pantry yes. and oh, eat all yeah. the snacks amen or just like shut it i'm just not showing up like is it okay yeah. for me just not to show up for this go to bed yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, funny, funny enough so our, our little girl just had a, a birthday and um like she she had a rash because I got her these like lush bath bombs, you know, I was trying to be the cool dad and her skin reacted to my it. My kids like, love bath bombs. I'm like, what did I do? Like, why did I do this? You're like um, the worst dad in the world. So, yeah. So I think that, you know, family, you know, had a, a huge decision with sure. that. I think that was your question. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. The, the coffee's wearing off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and especially um, when, you know, if you go into an arena and, or a youth retreat or yeah. whatever it may be and people are having you sign your Bible. I don't know about you guys, but my children have never asked me to sign their no. Bible. Amen. Right? No. Like, they're, they're no, just they not. just asked me for a snack. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I have the fruitsies, as right. my little right. girl says. Like, <laughs> yes, you can have fruit right. snacks right, right. now. I'm like, like, people actually like me. Do you guys not like me? Do you guys me? know yeah. that people like mommy? You might not like yeah. People right. like mommy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, other people want to hear what I have to say. That's yeah, so, so, so true. Yeah, so it is. It's easy to, to then gravitate towards the people that are cheering for you yeah. and want to hear from you. And so then it's easy to re- just, let's just keep doing that. Yeah. Like, that's in my strength finder's results. Right oh, there. yeah. Parenting is not. And right. so, so then leaning, it's, it's good to lean into what's forcing you to slow down. Well, in some of that, too, is like you're then in a position, most of people listening are in the position of then training parents mm-hmm. right and you're supposed to be the authority on that and all I the think, time i think that right um like if somebody none of has, us know what we're doing right right, right. right. if somebody was, were to have a disease like we would be like i know how to pray for that person yes, like let's do that as much as i can do but if a parent comes to you in despair we like, just here's we're three like, steps of, what do i do <laughs> right. like but, but that's what you know right. we need to lean into it. And now that's what I get to lean into. And I, I yeah. love that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to slowing down and saying no, so clearly I've already admitted that I have a hard time saying no. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you have a certain criteria that you follow of going, okay, this is what I know you've mentioned, like it's about relationships. So what are some practical things that someone who's going, I am overwhelmed. There's no breathing room in my schedule. Like how can I practically say no? Yeah. I think, um, the best part about practicals when you go simple, right? right? Simple thing is you have to start saying no to stuff. And you you have to create that list of like, what are you going to say no to? Mm-hmm. And as I did that, the thing I often realized I was saying no to was um, more ministry stuff, stuff that anyone could do. Yeah. But I thought, and I'm just going to be transparent here, I was um, important enough that I had to do. Yes. And... But that also robbed a lot of people of being important. Oh, that's so that's huge. Good. Right? Yes. So I, I stepped back and I was like, well, I'm the one that's got to do this because I'm pastor. I'm leader. So I'm going to do this. But the aspect of it was when I said yes to doing that, somebody else didn't get to fill that role to be important. And let's just be real. All of us have that longing, right? Totally. Um, totally. To, to do that. And when we can give that away, that's a, a huge win. So I had to start making a list of stuff that I could say um, no to, or I should really say like, no, I can't do this. And then you start giving stuff away. Um, you know, the reason everybody loves Bob Goff is because when he speaks or when he talks, he just you just feel like he's giving you something. Mm-hmm. When you take that mentality and you you give away something to someone, they're actually really blessed by it. And I I found that as I slow down, as I said, like, yes, less 
and I really brought it back and started giving stuff away to people, they were like enamored by it. This is awesome. I love that you're giving me something. And that actually helped me to to do it a little bit more because I'm like, oh no, I am actually yeah. you know doing something for those people. And then I think the other thing that every ministry leader needs is people around them. So whether that's um, your wife, your husband, you know, a, a friend, a mentor to say, you really shouldn't be doing this anymore. You just, you can't be doing this. You need to give this away and do less in this. Um, and, and I think that's true too for the opposite. Some people actually need to say less or yes less to the things outside of ministry and need to be focusing on their ministry some too. I'm just going to put that in there Um, because I think everybody Mm -hmm. has that. It's like, hey, you're a great basketball coach. You're a great, um, you know, uh, cheerleading coach. You're great at leading um, field day every year and running PTO. But your ministry suffering because you're like, I have to say yes to things outside of church too, right. but you're not cutting it at ministry, you know, in the church. So I'll just throw that out there. So you have to look at that. Yeah. We yeah. want to do it all. We, we want to feel like we can do it all. Right? I mean, we can't. I know. <laughs> and we think we can do it well. Man. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. I think when I think about my own life, there's a root at the reason why I say yes to everything. And a lot of it is fear. Mm-hmm. Like FOMO is a serious oh, thing. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. all the other parents will be at Phil Day, right? Post, posting those pictures on, yeah. right. on Instagram, right. right? Hashtag Phil Day, hashtag volunteer, <laughs> hashtag Mama Super Mom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, cool. So I'm over here just scrubbing the toilets, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Right. So it's tackling that fear and like saying, okay, well, do I really trust God in this? Do I really trust that this is the best thing? This is, this is what He's really wanting me to put my eyes on. Yeah. You know, if we're if we're focusing on um, what we're missing out on. We can't focus on what's next. That's good. And a lot of time, um, you know, if we really believe that God has ordained those those steps before us, then like he's got something good that's next. Yeah. All right. So EJ, to wrap up, what has been the biggest benefit of saying no for you yeah. personally? I think, you know, if I if I go real sentimental, like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to see my kids grow up. Absolutely. And uh, that should be like a really easy answer. But you guys, it's not. You're right. Because the more you do, the more you get addicted to it. Absolutely. Um, and we think we're, we think our kids, our families are always going to be there. And um, you know, for a lot of ministry leaders, you guys, let's just get let, get completely real. Absolutely. Um, our our kids sometimes act out or do the things because. They need the attention. They it's, need the the attention. it's the only yeah. thing that yeah. will draw you back home. Yeah. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is like that's slowing so down. I get to see my kids grow up and I, and I have a long way to go. I mean, I'm at like 10% of figuring it out. I have a long, long way to go. Yeah. And I think that um, my ministry areas have gotten crazy better. Um, when I've you know taken my hand off of, I'm the one doing this. I'm the one that's leading this. We've actually got a, a lot better and we're going a lot further faster. That's awesome. Thanks yeah. for hanging out in the, the prom van. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. The, the lights are going. They're still changing. Thank you, guys. It's such a, a privilege. <laughs> so nice to meet you, EJ. Yeah. God bless you guys. You too. Oh, man. I was taking so many notes during that content. I mean, Frank's three lies. I just want to go over them again for you, especially if you're driving along and, and you didn't get a chance to write them down. The first lie was, this is just a busy season. Guilty. Lie two, next week will be better. Guilty. Lie three, 
everyone understands guilty. I am guilty across the board on all three of those lies. So that was uh, quite enlightening for me. And then I just loved what EJ had to say about making a list of the things to say no to. I've never thought of doing that. I mean, this time of year, we're all making lists of things to say yes to. Yes, we're going to do this. Yes, I'm going to exercise. Yes, I'm going to eat health. And he says, no, make a list of the things you're going to say no to. So that's what I'm going to be doing soon. I also um, just truly candid with all of our audience out there and for everybody who's in the Think Orange Bunker with me, I suffer FOMO really bad. I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so basically the three stands for FOMO. I fear of missing out on just about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's something I don't like doing, if I find out that somebody I like is going to it, I have FOMO. So I'm going to write that list. That's what I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to be writing that list of the things that I'm going to say no to. I would love to see you guys to do that as well. In fact, if you've got a list of three things that you're going to say no to in 2019, I would love it if you could tweet that or post that to social media in some capacity and use the hashtag ThinkOrange, hashtag ThinkOrange with just those, maybe the top three things that you're going to say no to in 2019. I'm going to do the exact same thing. So make sure you check that out. Just go to Twitter and search for that hashtag, Think Orange, and you can start to see everybody else's list. Maybe that will inspire you to write your own list if you haven't already. And while you're looking at that, while you're searching around on Twitter and social media, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts as well and leave us a review and a rating. That would be a fantastic 2019 New Year's gift for us if you could do that because it helps get the word out a little bit more. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud if you haven't done that already. Check Check out the show notes at thinkorangepodcast.com. That's thinkorangepodcast.com. And please take a moment just to share this with a friend. Share this podcast out. It's an easy thing to do. All you need to do is post it on social media somewhere, send it out to a whole group of people and help us grow this community this year. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of it. And I'm going to get Casey in again. I know she's on her phone now. She's doing, she's busy just booking all these exciting trips on um, that. Is that what you're doing, Casey? Are you booking trips right now? Oh, no, you're answering emails. <laughs> yeah, she is answering emails. I don't know if you've ever heard our sign-off here, but I want to get you to help me with it today, okay? Is that all right? Yeah. Whenever you think next generation. Think Orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com. 